Welcome to another Impact Drive Time presentation, a value-added feature designed to help you increase your bottom line. From Gateway Financial Advisors, Incorporated, GFA is striving to provide our partners the synergy, support, and motivation needed to achieve their maximum potential. Go to www.gfainvestments.com or call 888-939-9714 to find out how you can be part of the winning team of Gateway Financial Advisors, Incorporated. Now sit back and enjoy as Gateway Financial Advisors presents another Impact Drive Time presentation to help you increase your bottom line. Welcome to another Drive Time Impact Gateway podcast designed to help you increase your bottom line. I'm Shane Wessler, CEO of Gateway Insurance and Gateway Financial Advisors. Today on the Gateway podcast, I have a special guest, Brock Jolly. Brock, welcome to the Gateway podcast. Thanks, Shane. Great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, you and I kind of go back a little bit through our affiliation with NAFA, and uh, we'll get to that momentarily. But uh, let's start off uh, letting everyone know a little bit about your background. I know that you went to uh, school out in uh, Virginia, and you reside out in Washington, D.C., but let's start there. Kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got into the financial service profession. Sure. Thanks. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, like probably a lot of folks listening, you know, as a young kid, it's you kind of go back and forth. Do you want to be a fireman? Do you want to be a police officer? Do you want to be Batman? Do you want to be a professional ball player? What do you want to do? Like a lot of kids, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, maybe felt a little bit of that pressure, but just really didn't know what I want to do. And there was nothing really pulling at me. Went to college, had a good time in college, did enough things that I was, I was able to get interviews, but still really had no idea what I wanted to do. It's pretty interesting. I, I, I went to the University of Virginia, which is about two hours south of Washington, D.C. Knew that I sort of wanted to stay in this area and had a job interview with a financial services company. What was interesting is I had interviewed with all kinds of different companies. I, I interviewed with Dell Computers, who obviously was making computers. I was interviewed with a company that manufactured drywall. Uh, I was interviewing for consulting jobs, sales jobs, and marketing jobs, and all kinds of things. <laughs> Again, underlying message here, no clue what I wanted to do. I interviewed with this financial services company, and keep in mind this is 1999, 2000, that time frame, sort of the height of the dot-com era. They told me four things that really resonated with me. They said, you know, Brock, in this industry, there's four things that you need to know. Number one is you're going to help people tremendously. Number two, you've got total flexibility in terms of what you do. You can do investments, you can do insurance, you can do estate planning or retirement planning or college funding. Whatever you want to do, you've got lots of flexibility with that. Number three, you've got no boss. And number four is you've got unlimited income potential. Now, I don't know at 21, 22 years old, which of those things really resonated the most with me, but all four of those were really attractive to me. So I thought, well, hey, this will at least, this will get me up to the D.C. area, get a job, I'll maybe be able to pay some bills, and I'll figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Now, here we sit roughly 20 years later, and I guess I'm categorically unemployable in any other profession, still trying to do what I, still trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, scratching out a decent living and uh, really enjoying what I do and the way that we are able to help people make a difference, have lots of flexibility, have no boss, and have unlimited income potential. Well, I know uh, Veritas Financial, Financial Planning, Wealth Management, Insurance. I know that you also have uh, a passion for the college funding, which we'll get back to in just a moment. You know, we start off a lot of times just uh, trying to find out a little bit, something unique. Uh, like I said, you and I have known each other for a little while. A lot of times we're around uh, NAFA events and interacting uh, probably a little bit more on a professional and, uh, you know, some social level. But uh, let me ask you, a 
question. We do this in our interviews quite a bit. What is one significant accomplishment prior to age 25 uh, that you can share with maybe the listeners? Prior to age 25, you know, it's it's interesting. It's a hard thing to think about. You know, I, I read something earlier today that says, you know, when are you going to become great? And it says for most people, they think I'll become great when this happens, when I get recognized for this or when I do that. And the reality is greatness has to begin right now. You know, it just sort of, as you asked that question, it was sort of top of mind. And I think, you know, it's not to say, hey, I think I've done anything great or wonderful or unique because I really don't. It's just you've got to have the right attitude. You've got to have the right mindset. You know, it's like the old uh, Aristotle is attributed as having said this, right? Excellence becomes a habit. So you just try to do great things every day. It's a long-winded way of saying, I don't know that I've ever done anything that I would necessarily deem as great. Certainly, maybe not prior to age 25, but the joke I always give is, in 1990, I was named the Northside Middle School Outstanding Home Economics Student, which my mother was very proud of. So if uh, Fran Simmermaker, my teacher, is out there listening, big shout-out to her. I guess, you know, at 25 years old, I bought a house, which most 25-year-olds haven't done, especially in the greater Washington, D.C. area, where in 2003 to buy a $500,000 house was an awful lot of money back then. My parents were shocked by that as well because the little town I grew up in in the Midwest, a $500,000 house was probably about the most expensive house in town at the time. So I guess that's what I would classify, Shane, as maybe maybe an accomplishment that was uh, was something I'm proud of, at least. That's definitely something I, I think you should be proud of. And uh, you've shared a little bit of that with me in the past. And uh, I know you also got into being a landlord right away by uh, renting out to some of your friends, I guess, or as you have said in the past, maybe having a fraternity type house early on. Well, look, it's, it, I, I think it's, you know, like we try to impart wisdom with all of our clients, right? It's just making good financial decisions. Robert Kiyosaki talks about OPM, other people's money, right? And the reality is, look, we all needed a place to live. If I could scratch together the uh, the money for the down payment, and keep in mind, those were the days when if you could fog a mirror, you could get a house, you could get a mortgage, uh, for better or worse. I pieced together a little bit of money. I borrowed some money from my father and was able to put it down payment down and then you know i had three buddies who rented rooms from me and helped to cover the mortgage and you figure it out and i think in hindsight it was a really great i still own that house for what it's worth and it was a really great strategy and sort of created a foundation to be able to make good financial decisions in my life from that point forward you know i know you're an intelligent man um, did not know this until I, I did a little bit of research prior to getting ready for the uh, podcast here today but i understand you also uh, know german and uh, i've shared with you that i grew up german on both sides. So uh, the phrase that I remember my grandparents saying all the time was Octoliva, and it was uh, said on a regular basis throughout the day. So I don't know, you know, causing her to uh, constantly be saying it, but it seemed like we were because every time we would do something, she would always turn and go, you know, look at us as boys and say, oh, Octoliva. You, I'll use that same phrase to, uh, you know, just, oh, oh my gosh, what, you know, what a knucklehead. What's he thinking? Uh, you know, no, all, all good. That's funny. You and I have known each other, Nafi. I know you've served on the local, the state level. Uh, a lot of the listeners, at least on the Gateway side, that are part of our organization uh, know who Nafi is. And you're also serving through the uh, national level. So give everybody your background and uh, maybe a little bit of your passion about Nafi, why you're involved, and reasons that, you know, you continue to stay involved. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it is a passion. It, it wasn't always that way. One of the one of the phrases that I picked up from a guy by the name of Ron Carson, who some of your listeners may know, uh, he says, "Live life by design, not by default." To be real honest with you, I, I didn't go into my involvement with NAFA with any preconceived notion of what it was. 
in 2000 when I was brand new in the industry. A guy by the name of Paul Friedman came to me and he said, he said, Brock, I want you to come with me to a meeting next Wednesday afternoon. There's a lunch and there's a speaker. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you'll meet some good people. And it's this organization called NAFA. Well, I was 22 years old. Anything that involved a free lunch was exciting to me. That was really my first introduction to NAFA. I'll tell you, it was an opportunity to rub shoulders with some of the great leaders in our industry in the Washington, D.C. area. I went to my first national conference a few years later, and now I was I was right there at, you know, probably 25 years old and speaking to literally like living legends in our industry. And I was just a sponge. Shane, you and I were talking before this call about genealogy and ancestry. And one of the things that I love is history that is a part of who I am, right? And so when I was in college, I was a tour guide for UVA. And, you know, just, you know, quick background in case people don't know, UVA was founded by Thomas Jefferson. And there were three former presidents, Monroe, Madison, and Jefferson, who were on the original board of UVA. And so I love that history. And I love being able to tell people about it. So it's a natural progression. I get into this industry, and the history of our industry, in many ways, is NAFA. It's been around since 1890. Love that stuff. Love the tapestry that has been woven from one originally insurance agent to advisor all throughout the course of the years and love meeting those industry legends and originally it was just being able to rub shoulders with those people eventually it became the advocacy work that NAFA has done I met some great people and had some great folks within my firm who were able to kind of guide me and encourage me and say hey why don't you get involved why don't you do something on the uh, on the local board right you can do something with membership or you can do something with event planning, whatever it may be. And I just, I kept throwing my hat in the ring. I, I think from an early age, I learned that if you want things done, you've got to give it to a busy person. And so I've always sort of forced myself to be involved and to be busy and always be intellectually curious and trying to improve and get better. And I think one of the ways that we as advisors and just as human beings can get better is to surround ourselves by people with people who are doing great things. And for the most part, in the NIFA ranks, that's who those people are. And so selfishly, I just tried to surround myself with great people who were doing great things for their clients, who were running successful practices, who I could learn from. That evolved to being involved at the local level, becoming president of the local. Now, interestingly, I, I was in the Washington, D.C. area uh, NAFA, Greater Washington, D.C., has a unique position within NAFA in that it is both a local and a state. And so it's real easy to be a local leader and a state leader because you do that simultaneously in Washington, D.C. You know, then somebody said, hey, why don't you get involved at the national level? And so I started doing some things with the investment committee and then eventually uh, was asked to run for trustee. And just the more I peeled back that onion, the more I got involved, the more I saw the impact that NAFA is having and really just the critical importance of NAFA to our industry. And I think it's it's a challenge because for so many people, it's easy to not be involved. It's easy to not make a difference. It's easy to think somebody else is going to take care of that. And as a society, people don't join things like they used to, right? Let's face it. NAFA used to have something like 130,000 members, right? We're a far cry from that. And on one hand, 
I'm embarrassed by that because it should be different, right? We should be more passionate about our industry today than we ever have. But the problem is people just don't join things like they used to. We're all busy. We're pulled in so many different directions. And I just ask it, you know, look, if you're listening to this, do yourself a favor, do the industry a favor, do your clients a favor, and just try at whatever level you're capable to get involved, make a difference, make an impact, because I think that comes back to benefit you multiple times over. The things that you will learn by being involved in our industry, by being engaged, by surrounding yourself by people who are making a difference will ultimately help you with your business. It will help you in the message that you're giving to your clients. You'll learn something. You'll get better. You'll sharpen the saw. And I mean, that again, that's sort of the selfish message. The maybe less selfish message is NAFA makes an impact. The work that Diane Boyle and our government relations team and our folks who are in Washington, D.C. and in every one of our state capitals is making an impact. And there is no other organization out there who comes close to the work that NAFA is doing and the impact that we're having. Here's the problem. We got to keep it going, right? I mean, just within the last three months, our federal government has has created legislation that has increased the federal debt by nearly uh, to a number that approaches $25 trillion. If you think taxes are going down in the future, my opinion is that you're sorely mistaken. Where does Congress, the IRS, et cetera, go to look for tax revenue? Our products. And I don't care if you're an insurance person, an investment person, a financial planning person, somehow, some way, our products are in the crosshairs when they're looking for ways that they can make changes. If you want to protect the promises that you've made to your clients over the years, you've got to be an engaged member of NAFA. Well said. Well said. Absolutely. And, you, you know, the, the events that have happened over the last several months, uh, I want to get back to that in a moment as well. Uh, it, it's changing our industry. And, and where are they going to come up? with money to offset some of the debt that has been created. And as you just said, is that going to be another attack where they're going to look at maybe taxing some of the inside buildup of products from 401ks to life insurance to maybe even going back and revisiting the estate uh, tax? Remember, we, they raised that uh, limit so that most people weren't concerned about estate taxes in the, you know, probably over the last decade almost now. Uh, I'm not so sure that won't be an area that they start revisiting and say, you know, we gave all this money out. We, we helped people. Now we got to figure out a way to get it back. In my view, now more than ever, we need to be vigilant. We need to be involved. If we let the government continue to run the government without our involvement, I think we're setting ourselves up for a rude awakening you know, down the roads. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, I want to transition Brock over into how has the business impacted your business directly um, or how has the recent events impacted your business directly? And uh, let's talk about your business specifically, what your primary focuses are and get a little bit more in depth in there. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Brock Jolly from Veritas Financial. And again, uh, well adversed in financial planning, wealth management, insurance. And when we come back from the break, you're going to hear a little bit about how he has also segue over into college funding and college financial aid. Trust is not built by what you say, but more often by what we do. I'm April Lynn Chavis-Geisler, first executive vice president for Gateway Insurance and Financial Services. With 12 offices and associates in New Mexico, we earn your trust by taking appropriate action on a daily basis. We focus on helping you get the right coverage at the right price. Gateway can help you with your auto, home, commercial, life, and all your insurance and financial services needs. Call us today at 505 505- 
271-2222 or visit us at gfainvestments.com. That's gfainvestments.com and let us help you get the right coverage at the right price. All right. Well, welcome back from our break, um, Brock. Uh, let's uh, pick up where we kind of left off. We were talking a little bit before the break about some of the impact that we may be looking at as the government looks at how to recover some of their money. I know one of the areas that you're involved with is doing um, college funding, college planning, if you will, college financial education. Um, in the past, I believe you've done a lot of that, maybe uh, live seminars, live workshops. And recently, I've seen some of your postings where you're doing a little bit more by Zoom. So I want you to expand a little bit about that business, what your passion is there, maybe how other advisors could uh, be involved? No, thanks, Shane. It's uh, it's interesting. So I'll even go back to the beginning a little bit. You know, you think about when I got into this industry in 2000, it was just before the dot-com bubble burst. So I got in this business, I was making 200 cold calls every day, and the dot-com bubble burst. And I tell people it was not entirely my fault. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Everybody was panicking. People had just lost 50% of their net worth in some cases. Those people who I was talking to, I just kept hearing this constant question, which was, how are we going to pay for our children's college education? Now, keep in mind, I was 23 years old. I was a few months into the financial services industry. I didn't know the answer, but because nobody wanted to talk to me, I had time. I started to research it, and what I figured out was two things. I figured out, number one, most financial advisors don't have the first clue around how college funding really works. And number two is that I figured out that for most families, their money was in two places. It was in the equity in their home and it was in their retirement plans. Great for retirement. It's not so great when you need to send 2.3 children to college, right? You need liquidity, you need cash flow. And that was inherently the problem. And so again, I started research and I figured out problem. And in 2002, I was actually asked to teach a class through the adult education program uh, in one of the counties just outside of Washington, D.C. And it's sort of interesting. Maybe your, your listeners will appreciate this. There was a guy who was teaching these similar classes in one county, and I said, hey, if we went and taught it in this other county, would you teach the class? I'll do all the legwork. I'll follow up with the people, but I just I need you to teach the class and meet with the clients. And he said, sure, we'll do joint work with it. Life would be good. We got it all lined up. We had about 25 people who were registered for this class, the day before the class was supposed to occur, this advisor and my general agent at the time had a disagreement, for lack of a better term. And the general agent came in. He said, you know that class that uh, you were going to teach tomorrow uh, with the other advisor? I said, yeah. He said, you're teaching it. I said, what do you mean? He said, the other advisor quit. You're teaching the class. I knew nothing. I, I knew a little bit, enough to be dangerous, and I had a copy of the slides. That was it. So I canceled all my appointments that afternoon, learned the material, and the next day taught the class. And I think of those roughly 25 people, I think I had seven or eight who said, we'd like to meet with you. Now, keep in mind, Shane, I was doing 200 cold calls every day. My life was miserable at best. I had eight people who asked for appointments on a topic that I knew nothing about. And I sort of said to myself, imagine if I actually knew what I was talking about. And so that really was the light bulb that went off. And since 2002, this organization that's now called the College Funding Coach has really, really grown. We, we've grown to an organization that now has close to 100 advisors all over the country. We did several hundred workshops every single year in high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, with community organizations, with businesses, churches, synagogues, you name it. On March 15th or thereabouts, our business changed dramatically. 
because on March 15th, we went from an organization doing several hundred live workshops every year to an organization that was forced to be digital overnight. And we are doing a lot really, really cool things transitioning that business model. And like you said, I mean, I'm sitting in my basement office. On the other side of this wall is the nerve center of the college funding coach. We've got a studio set up and we're doing lots of webinars from there. But all of our advisors around the country are also able to do webinars. And so being able to do the same thing, but driving traffic through social media, through uh, search engine optimization, really just getting traction in very different ways than we did before. It's been an entrepreneurial challenge. It's been a lot of fun, but it's been a totally different methodology for how we are prospecting. Ever since I've known you, you've led the way in a lot of areas in social media and and some of the things that you just mentioned, the optimization and so forth. And I've seen over these last several weeks, um, again, that transition where you were doing live presentations and you know, you had the ability to to market the right way and people were coming and, and being part of those presentations to all of a sudden it was like, you know, here's a room full of uh, empty chairs and a live meeting to a room of no people. Uh, but we found the solution. We can do that virtually. So I applaud you for that. I think it's magnificent that, you know, you were forward thinking, you pivoted very quickly and you're out there giving the education to to the people that still need it. Well, and, I, and I'll just add to that. I mean, you, you know, Shane, you and I are a lot alike in that regard in that, you know, we've got great teams behind us, you know, and, and they make you and me look good. And I think it's, you know, my team is doing a lot of heavy lifting behind the scenes for me and for our advisors to disseminate that message. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, again, it's just, it's the power of teamwork. And it's, uh, it's the old John Wooden quote. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. I think, I think Herbert Hoover may have said that originally, but uh, nonetheless, I'll give John Wooden the credit. No, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, we're seeing this virtual learning, uh, even kids now that grade school, right? You know, uh, as we move forward, there's probably going to be a lot more virtual learning opportunities. That being said, as we all adapt to the new world and, and ways of learning and and ways to interact and communicate and so forth. From a financial education aspect, one area that you and I have talked about in the past, the lack of financial literacy, the lack of financial education, whether that's grade school, junior high, high school, you know, college level even, there's just a lack of people getting what I would call financial literacy, just the basic fundamentals and uh, a huge opportunity there in addition to how am I going to pay for my child's education going forward? Are you interested in? Are you looking at trying to, how how do you help people understand the importance of of finance in general? Uh, Is that part of your curriculum as well when you're out there talking to the parents? It is. Yeah. I mean, you know, think about it. It's, It's like Fidelity did a study a number of years ago and it said that college funding is the number one financial fear of most American families. Yet our industry as a whole does a pretty good, a pretty bad job, sorry, of focusing on college funding. I mean, the reality is that most advisors, if you if you have a client who comes in and says, I've got kids I want to send to college, usually the answer is a product. And, and these days we're saying, okay, you need to fund a 529 plan. Think about parents of high school seniors who are graduating where you put money into a 529 plan that maybe between February 20th and March 23rd may have lost 30% of its value. And I'm not saying that 529 plans are bad. I think they're I think they're a wonderful tool. Okay, I own a 529 plan for my kid. Uh, but a 529 plan in and of itself 
is not a strategy. And I think the opportunity to educate parents who are concerned about how they're going to not only pay for their children's college education, but also retire one day and to be able to alleviate those fears, those concerns, et cetera. Because if you think about it, just taking one step back here for a second, Shane, when you and I went to college, it was reasonably easy for us or for our parents to pay for it, right? And and no discredit, you know, look, I, I'm thankful all the time that my parents were willing and able to pay for the majority of my education. But the sticker price was not as high. Over the course of the last 20, 30, 40 years, as interest rates have decreased, the colleges and universities, in a lot of ways, have gotten fat and happy and pushed the envelope by raising the cost of higher education. If you look at the statistics of how college education or tuition has increased relative to the consumer price index, it's exponentially higher. And that's become a challenge. It's a math problem. And colleges have said, well, just borrow the money. Now look at what the problem is with the student debt crisis in this country, because generation after generation has just borrowed the money. And so part of your question there was, you know, what's going to change? I, I think it has to change. I don't know definitively how it changes, because while on one hand, the colleges and universities are trying to embrace technology, on the other hand, most of our major universities in this country are also beholden to the fact that they've got dorms and educational buildings that cost a lot of money to operate, right? Major universities have campuses that are 200, 300, 400 acres in many cases. That's expensive. It's expensive to operate and to be able to be done effectively and in a fiduciarily responsible way guess what? You've got to have students on campus. That also is part of the argument for just the current educational model, which, you know, it's that whole college experience. It's learning how to interact with people who may not look, think, or act the same way that you do. That's important as you transition into adulthood. But if you think about it, think about how education was delivered 100 years ago even 200 years ago, right? Basically, you look at the old one-room schoolhouse and compare that to today's way of delivering education. It hasn't changed all that much. What has changed is the cost. That's our challenge. And as an organization, what we're doing at the College Funding Coach is trying to say, how do you address this? How can you make some good decisions? And how do we as advisors educate the consumer to be able to make smart, informed, strategic decisions to not only pay for college, but also be able to retire, be able to make all these other decisions, make decisions from a position of strength as you go through life, right? Financial planning is not an event, it's a process. College funding isn't an event, it's a process. How do you make smart decisions? How do you pivot? You know, none of us in June of 2019, none of us had ever heard of COVID-19. But COVID-19 happened. How do we pivot? How do we empower our clients to be able to make smart decisions around college and everything else in the context of a broader financial plan? Well, and, you know, you bring out a lot of great points there. And regardless, I mean, life has evolved. And now we may have two people who went to college and not only just college, but uh, higher education, you know, they go, they get their doctorate's degrees or their PhDs and et cetera. And by the time they come out um, with some of that college loan, that college debt, 
you know, it can be 20, 25, 30 years of, of work life for them to still well, be paying off college and, debt. And, you know? Sorry. And, and, and just think about that. And I, you know, I can get on the soapbox on that topic for a while, but think about that. It's, it's, it's become easy or convenient to take out student loans. Right. And so many, so many, so many financial decisions and get back to your question about financial education. I mean, so many decisions in this country are made, financial decisions are made out of convenience, right? It's easy to borrow from your 401k. You can take out a student loan for education. I mean, all these things that are leaving the overwhelming majority of Americans, I'll just call it not wealthy, not empowered, because they make bad decisions. One of my goals is to educate Americans to make smart decisions. College funding is one piece of it. It's a piece that Americans are concerned about because they want to look, they want to launch their kids off into the world, maybe not have their kids living in their basement for the rest of their lives. And so how do you do that? How do you make that dream, that vision a reality? That's what we're trying to do. So would you say that the college funding piece, you know, the, the part that keeps parents awake at night, how am I going to pay for this? In one sense, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, is, is a door opener for you to be able to engage with them, help them find a solution or at least explore solutions in that area. Uh, but more importantly, then how do we work together going forward? How do we address that concern? But let's talk about some of these other concerns you may have from a wealth planning and possibly even the students, you know, hey, we're going to help you get through this. And then when you get out in the workforce, come back and visit with us because uh, we want to help you get on the right track from the beginning to pay that any debt off that you may have or get set up financially on the right path. Absolutely. And, you know, think about it again. I'll go back to my statistic I used earlier. College funding is the number one financial fear. It's a huge expense. People talk all the time. Your house is your biggest expense. Well, from a pure dollars perspective, for many families, maybe it is. But the difference is with a house, you've got, let's call it 30 years to pay the thing off. And most families don't live in their house for 30 years. But the other piece of it is that is, at least theoretically, an appreciating asset. Correct. Yeah, college is different. It's an expense. And we do a terrible job at educating consumers around that expense. The other thing that happens, I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, oh man, don't blink. Your kids are, your kids are born and they're going off to college before you think about it. And so what happens, the inherent financial planning challenge is, I mean, and for most of your advisors, you probably started in your first job. Some sage old soul said, hey, Shane, put money into your 401k. You'll thank me later. And, and so you do that. We, we, as young adults, we start saving for retirement. Then maybe we buy the house. Uh, then we buy the minivan. We have kids. We move to the suburbs, all these kind of things. But oftentimes our kids are eight, nine, 10, 12 before we really start thinking about college. And honestly, by that point, maybe it's too late. If you think about, even just use the public school figures, right? The, the average public university in this country is roughly $30,000 per child per year. By the way, you've got three kids. What that means is two big ifs here. If the cost of college doesn't increase, and if your child graduates in four years, the average, by the way, is like 5.6. If your child graduates in four years, and if the cost of college doesn't increase, that means that to educate three kids is a minimum of $360,000. That's more than the average cost of a house in this country. And by the way, the interest rates tend to be higher on student loans as opposed to mortgages. So just 
all, all, again, peel back that onion, all kinds of different things. And so to answer your question, you can't plan for college in a vacuum like you used to be able to. You have to plan comprehensively. And, and I'll tell you just, you know, because it's sitting here on my desk, Shane. I mean, I just talked to somebody yesterday where husband and wife are both physicians. They make really good money. They don't have a dime saved for college. They've got a senior in high school and they've got a rising ninth grader and they don't have a dime saved. Make good money, but guess what? They also spend good money. We were looking yesterday and I think we've got a really great strategy in place, but to make the strategy work, we had to look at their retirement plans. We looked at, he's the husband still has some student loans from his graduate school, so we looked at refinancing that. We looked at possibly uh, paying off their cars that were still at high interest rates. We looked at refinancing their existing commercial real estate. We looked, I mean, just on down the line. And as we start to peel back that onion, we start to improve cash flow. Now can we use that cash flow and redeploy it to other areas? To say that there's no silver bullet is a bit of an understatement, but it's helping clients through that financial planning process. And guess what? Now, as a result, we're probably going to take over the uh, retirement plan for the corporation. We're looking at their insurance. We're looking at their monthly investments into a brokerage account. We're looking at their college funds. We're, we're going to probably take over as the advisor on all this stuff. And, and by the way, they have very good relationships with their current advisors. It's just that they had never had this conversation around college funding, which was the number one concern for this family because it's it's here next year. And, and how do they solve it? And so we were able to solve that. And as a result, we're going to get everything because we're planning comprehensively like the incumbent advisors had never done. And, and doing that properly, it goes without saying, you know, they become a happy client of yours and or on the college funding side, even if it's just that. The referral base is huge in the professions they're in, and, and I'm sure the circles that they run. It's like for most advisors, where do we focus? We focus on the 65-year-old who's getting ready to retire so that we can take over the you know million-dollar 401k or something like that. I always say, I want that same client, right? I, I'm in the wealth management business. I, I want that million-dollar 401k at retirement. The difference is I want to get that client when they're 48 years old. I want to help them with all the other decisions to include college and retirement, et cetera, so that when the 48-year-old becomes the 65-year-old, we're the logical choice because we've helped with everything else. Exactly. Well, as we uh, need to wrap up here on our podcast for this uh, episode, what is uh, the opportunity for advisors, financial professionals to get involved with you? Um, how would we go about doing that? Uh, is there an opportunity for some of the other financial professionals to uh, engage in your services or em employ your services if they want to put together a meeting for their clients? That sounds great. Yeah, thanks, Shane. What I would tell you, first and foremost, visit our website. Our website is just the college funding coach. Dot org. So remember the the at the beginning, and it's a .org, so thecollegefundingcoach.org, and there's a section there that says become an advisor. So if you like what you see, fill out that little online form. Our team will reach out to you. We've got a, a great staff behind all of this. We'll reach out to you. We really want to make sure it's a good fit. We want to understand you, understand your current practice, see if it's a good fit. If there's something where maybe we can bring value to you as an advisor, happy to talk through maybe one-off solutions, but we are looking to build the team. We're looking to have great advisors 
do want to focus on bringing these valuable messages to their clients and really building a clientele around solving issues related to college funding. And by joining uh, up on that side with you, the collegefundingcoach.org, um, they can stay at their current broker-dealer, they can keep their practices. I, I would assume those are all correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's in our infancy when we first started partnering with advisors, Originally, we were splitting business and all of that. The light bulb went off one day that that's a pretty difficult thing to scale. And so what we did a while back is we just changed the delivery model. We changed it to a subscription model that I will tell you, every, every single one of our advisors will tell you it's a pretty great deal for the advisors because if you're doing any level of business, you're making money and you're making an impact in the lives of these families. And it's in anything in life, I try to find how do you get the, the win, 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 you know, that everybody, everybody can win. And in this situation, it's the parent wins, the student wins, the advisor wins, we win. It's just a really good symbiotic relationship, but they, they place the business wherever they place the business. We just really are a marketing organization that's going to help drive traffic, drive, you know, sort of the matchmaker for Here's a parent who's concerned about how they're going to pay for college education for their kids. And here's an advisor who would love to meet with a parent who desperately needs their help. Uh, our job is to be the matchmaker in that relationship. Right. And you do a lot of marketing, uh, like I said, very visible on social media, things of that nature. So great opportunity for financial professionals, I, I would say, that have an interest in getting involved, especially in this marketplace. So. Yeah, and I'll just add to that, too. If, if people want to call our office, please feel free. They can, they can reach us by phone. That phone number, there's a toll-free number, which is 800-969-2362, or alternatively, call direct at 703-424-2401. So happy to, happy to have conversations, and again, just looking for right-fit advisors who can be part of the, of the team. Absolutely. Brock, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate uh, the friendship, the professional uh, alliance that we have. Uh, I really look forward to seeing you again soon, hopefully uh, this fall when we get together for the, the annual conference. In between now and then, let's definitely uh, stay in touch. Hopefully some of our financial professionals will, will go out, uh, take a look at your website. Why don't you give all your contact information one more time so that those that want to get in touch with you know exactly how to do that. Thank you so much, Brock, for being on. Sure. Thanks, Shane. So the website is www www.thecollegefundingcoach.org and the phone number is 800-969-2362. Would love to hear from any of you. Shane, appreciate all you do for the industry. Thanks for having me today and uh, look forward to speaking with some of your folks soon. Same here. Thank you so much, Brock. Thank you for joining us today and we hope you enjoyed this program. GFA is focused on being a one-stop shop for full financial planning. To get more information about how you can join and be part of this winning team, go to www.gfainvestments.com or call us at 888-939-9714. Once again, our website is www.gfainvestments.com or you can contact us at 888-939-9714. This has been a presentation of Gateway Financial Advisors, Incorporated. And remember, focus on your maximum potential.
Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a broker-dealer, member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, registered investment advisor. Gateway Financial Advisors Incorporated and Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated are not affiliated.